0: is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here's a five-star review we received on Apple Podcast. She said, I wish I'd found this podcast sooner. Nine years of enduring lying, manipulation, gaslighting with my porn-addicted husband. So for years, I've been looking for support and for someone to understand my situation. This is the first podcast that is truly catered to women who are in an emotionally abusive relationship. I have never felt so understood. I have never understood fully that emotional abuse is real and that it happened to me until I listened to these podcasts. Thank you guys so much. I hope that you have an idea of how much you've impacted my life and I can't imagine how many others. Again, if you haven't yet and you're so inclined, go to the podcast, rate it five stars, but also leave your comments. It really helps isolated women find us. Center for Peace had a new year-long program start recently. It is the only program that we recommend for men who are exhibiting these types of abusive behaviors. We don't recommend pornography addiction recovery programs but we do recommend Center for Peace. So to check out more about that, email joy, J-O-I at C-E-N-F-P dot org or go to the website, which is C-E-N-F-P dot org. We have Anne Basham on today's episode. Anne has worked in both the legislative and executive branches of the federal government, as well as government relations in the private sector, where she advocated on behalf of human rights issues, such as violence against women, child welfare, human trafficking, and genocide. She began her career working on Capitol Hill for a U.S. senator, but most recently, Ms. Basham was the senior advisor at the Department of Justice for Victims of Crime, the largest federal funder of anti-human trafficking efforts in the United States. OVC allocates over six billion in federal grants and other projects, and Anne helped develop strategies to help victims of human trafficking, sexual assault, violence against women and children, and elder abuse. Throughout her career. Anne has served victims from all over the world, helping them safely leave dangerous situations, navigate the legal system, and secure safe housing and trauma recovery. With a master's degree in education from the University of Virginia, Anne understands that education is truly the best form of prevention against human trafficking and other threats to children. This is why she is especially passionate about empowering children, parents, and frontline responders to effectively recognize and respond to human trafficking. Welcome, Anne.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Before this episode, we were talking a little bit about how trafficking and grooming and things like that intersect with narcissism and the type of abuse that I talk about on this podcast all the time, all day long, every episode. So as we talk about trafficking, where you see some of these intersections or overlaps, or that you're like, it's the exact same thing, I would really like you to kind of bring that out of the woodwork for our listeners. Since all of our listeners are married to men who use pornography, they're married to men who exploit women by viewing pornography. So as we talk about that, I I want both of us to remember that so we can always bring it back to our listeners and what they can do and even how it can help them in their own situations. So let's talk about what human trafficking is and then what grooming is. Because I talk about grooming on this podcast in terms of what um, men do to their partners, trying to make them look like a good guy. Talk about grooming in the context of human trafficking.
1: Yeah. So there's definitely a a lot of crossover. So grooming really is conditioning someone to do something that is not within their nature. Basically it's conditioning them to accept abuse. And this can obviously happen in a marriage as well as in trafficking. So that's really kind of one of the crossovers, but in human trafficking, uh, there's a big misconception. That human trafficking is mostly someone coming and kidnapping a child off your front lawn. That is not how human trafficking usually happens in America. Usually it's grooming. So it's really a boyfriend at a high school who appears like a wonderful guy, may even appear like a wonderful guy to the parents. And he really lures her in and conditions her slowly over time to either do things that she doesn't want to do through force or coercion or then he threatens her so sometimes it's video recording sexual acts for example and then threatening to put them on the internet threatening to show them to peers it could be physical threats of violence against her or her family Um, and that's really how trafficking starts it's really through force fraud or coercion but it happens through the mechanism almost always of grooming instead of straight kidnapping
0: that's super important for our listeners I have talked to many women in our community who have been filmed by their husband. He put a camera in the shower, for example, and then uploaded that to the internet for porn or filmed them secretly while they were having sex or other various and sundry situations like that. So if she never finds out about it,
1: is that still considered trafficking? So the definition of trafficking is it involves money. So if it's, marriage for example that is not going to be considered trafficking. So trafficking is using force, fraud or coercion and then attaching mon- money to it. So for example, you can be, you know, groomed in all sorts of situations, but when it's trafficking, you're actually exchanging goods. The underpinnings of human trafficking is greed. It's think of it like drug trafficking, it's very similar. It's really how can we monetize a person as a product? And get money for them. And that's really what's underneath it.
0: So, if a man is selling that porn on the internet,
1: would that be trafficking? Even if it was his wife? That's a really interesting question. Trafficking always, by definition, has to do with money and an exchange of money. Legally trafficking, if there is a sexual act. So, if she's just in the shower and he videos her, puts it on the internet, sells it. It's probably illegal. I'm not an attorney, but it's not technically trafficking. If, however, he videos her in a sexual act with him and then puts it on the internet and makes money off of it, and the intent is to make money. So if he films it with the intent of making money, that absolutely can cross the line into sex trafficking. Absolutely.
0: So if I were a sex trafficking husband defense attorney, I would say... Well, he didn't mean to make money. That wasn't the intent. And I would get off.
1: That that could, I don't know if you'd get off or not. It's up to the attorneys. It's definitely a gray area. But if there's a sexual act and that sexual act can be proven that it was videoed and then um, intended to make money off of it in any way, then that crosses the line. And legally, the legal definition is force, fraud, or coercion. So if that video is then used in a coercive way, it's also crossing a line.
0: Interesting. So, it sounds like we need a little bit stronger laws on the books in terms of men filming their wives and putting it on the internet for porn. So, a lot of women come and they say, "My husband filmed me, he put it online. I don't know what to do." Right, and they're they're trying to figure out do I save my marriage or not? And I want to be like That's really, 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 really not good. Like, if he's done that to you, it's like unto trafficking, even if no money has changed hands. Like, you've got a serious, serious abuser on your hands if... That has happened to you
1: oh yeah absolutely and i will tell you the issue with pornography if i can just go down that road is that pornography really opens the door there's a huge link to trafficking and it's not discussed enough fortunately people are talking about it a lot more but it used to be oh no you know pornography is something innocent if people are willingly making the pornography or willingly consuming the pornography, what's the issue? Well, the issue is that it absolutely changes the brain. Just to give you a quick understanding of trafficking so that there are the traffickers, and those are the people who are selling the victims. And then there are people who are called the recruiters. So those could be uh, teenagers in high school. Think of it in terms of drug trafficking. You know, you have people who sell the drugs, you have the supplier who gives them the drugs. Well, they think of, usually girls, the same way. So the the target age, I should say, of a person who's trafficked is actually 11 to 15, but it goes up to 25. But the mindset really is very similar to a narcissist. And I will tell you, when I was at the Department of Justice, I had a meeting with a man who spent his life working on reforms in the criminal justice system. He's written books, he's a leader at a college, and he said to me point blank on the phone that the connection between an abuser in a domestic violence relationship, and a human trafficker are the same. It's just in one case, they do it with one person. And in the other, they do it with many people and for money. So that was really interesting to hear from him because he said that to me point blank beginning of a meeting with him. But I will tell you that in terms of traffickers, that they really do target their victims. It's a lot of mind games. So that's a lot of similarities that you'll see with some of your listeners is there's a lot of mind games going on and you don't see many people who are purchasing the victims. So you have the traffickers, the recruiters, and then you have the buyers. If they don't have a pornography problem first, think about it. Pornography conditions your brain and what you see on the screen, then you naturally want to act out. And so that's why there's a link. And pornography 20 years ago isn't what pornography even is today. And it's even more violent. It's not always consensual. And every time someone consumes it, their brain gets a bit of a dopamine hit. And so when their brain gets that dopamine hit, then what happens? They want the next. And so if you think of it in terms of addiction, sexual abuse addiction is one of, if not the most difficult addiction to break there's a woman who's on our board of directors and she is an expert in sexual addiction and she is the one who actually explained to me that it's more difficult to break a sex addiction than any other kind of addiction because you carry your sexuality with you everywhere you go
0: real quick before a response there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a new five-star review we received on Amazon. It says, see the light. Love this book. I've been listening to the BTR podcast for months now and has helped me see that my husband's porn use, which is destroying our marriage, is not just an addiction, but emotionally abusive to me. I've spent three years living in this nightmare trying to figure out what to do. Even though I filed for divorce a couple months ago, I decided I should get this book to help me through the process. I absolutely recommend this book to every woman who is living with a man that uses porn. See the light. I want to add that even though I'm not religious at all and the podcast and book have some religious context, it is not overwhelming and does not factor into the message that porn use is abusive to partners. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for your rating. Again, when you buy the book, please circle back around to Amazon and leave a verified purchase review with your comments. Every single five star rating on Amazon helps isolated women find us because even if they don't purchase the book, it helps them find the podcast. And now back to our conversation. I think the thing that's hard for wives of these men to wrap their heads around is that this is an abuser. So even if he has a sex addiction, it's not a sex addiction to you. His addiction is an addiction for him. He has the addiction. What you have is an abuser. It's really important to know that This is tied directly to domestic abuse as well. I have a theory. I could be wrong, but my theory is that all domestic abuse, someone who's willing to lie, manipulate, narcissistic abuse, right? So that covert abuse, that if someone is that type of an abuser and he's a man, then he is likely to use porn. So a lot of women will say, well, he didn't use porn, but he lied, he manipulated, he did all these other things in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, well, you just didn't know he uses porn because porn is so easy to hide. You can use it on your phone. It doesn't smell. It's not like a drug. It's not like alcohol where you can smell it on your breath. It's very easy for someone to hide this type of drug use, porn use from their spouse forever and ever and ever. And they never find out about it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I
0: completely agree. Because there's this sense that a human being is not really human, right? That they're a drug, that that they can be bought or sold, that they can be manipulated. And in the case of a husband, it's more like she's a tool. She's able to do my laundry and do my dishes and give me sex. And, you know, these are the things that she is good for. And I'm going to use her for those things rather than actually seeing her as a partner.
1: Absolutely. And that really is what's at the core of it. And that was what I think... This man, when I was speaking to him at the Department of Justice, was trying to get at is that the core mindset is objectification of the person. So that they objectify the person they're married to or they objectify the trafficking victim. I mean, that's what the similar element would be. It's a piece of property, you know, and that's why, um, to be honest, it has, you know, we call it modern day slavery. That's what we call trafficking because it really is slavery. People can't get out, they're literally trapped they are stuck in that situation, that always starts with seeing someone as property and not seeing them as really equal to yourself in value or in worth. Something you said reminded me of our listeners
0: as well. You said that traffickers play mind games with their victims to get them to the point where the victim is willing to do something that normally they wouldn't be willing to do. In terms of pornography, I think that that is actually the case as well in so many cases that there is a producer of the pornography, perhaps a trafficker or some type of person who's producing the pornography, who's played mind games with a victim in order to manufacture her consent. So she would say, yeah, I gave consent. Yeah, I I said I would be in this porn film, but she doesn't realize all the mind games that she's experienced, all the manipulation, all the coercion. She's not aware of all of that. So she actually thinks she has given her consent when she really has been manipulated and coerced. Would you say that that's accurate? Yes, absolutely. So when I say this relates to our our listeners too, there's nothing more consensual than saying yes to getting married or people assume that, right? And so they don't realize that just because a woman is married to a man, they assume that she said yes, she was able to give her consent. People don't realize that she gets manipulated and coerced and all of these things says yes, but then continues to be lied to, manipulated, coerced throughout the marriage for not just sex, but other things. So I think that that's really important to think about too, that people think that if you give your consent, it's not abuse. They don't realize that people are being abused into giving their quote-unquote consent when they're actually not giving consent at all.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, coercion can happen in any form. So it may not be trafficking per se. It may not fit the legal definition of trafficking because there may not be an exchange of money. But absolutely, people can be coerced. And I have worked previously in my career just in violence against women. And I can tell you that was very frequently the case, that certainly by the end of the relationship... There would have been a lot of coercion. They would have done many things that they thought they would never do. And actually, it kept them really stuck in the relationship. We see that even in trafficking. So very interestingly, when you see trafficking victims and safe houses and homes for these victims, oftentimes there are locks, not just normal locks, but real security on these facilities. And I remember when I first visited, I thought, oh, this must be to keep the traffickers out. No, 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 it's not to keep the traffickers out. It's usually to help keep the victims in, especially if they're under the age of 18 where they don't want to be trafficked, they're glad to be out, but at the same time, there is this feeling that they have to return sometimes because of various reasons or various factors. You know, there's an enormous amount of fear and I see that all the time with the commonality of just narcissism.
0: Let's talk about some of the signs of human trafficking in your children or in your community, because a lot of people think of trafficking as like if you, your child got trafficked, so you never saw them again. But from what you're saying, your child could be trafficked right under your nose while they're still living in your home.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the woman who actually heads up our parent coalition, her daughter was Uh, trafficked right out of her own home. So here in very wealthy Fairfax County, one of the wealthiest counties in the country, right outside of Washington, DC. Parents were married, all of those circumstances. So
0: what you're saying is, this is not who you imagine as being trafficked?
1: No, no, this is not who you imagine being trafficked. And I will tell you, this woman has come forward and is public with her story, but I know of plenty of these scenarios that are not public and will never be shared publicly for the protection of the identity of the daughter, you know, who was involved and the family who was involved. Let me tell you, there are names that your listeners would recognize and their children have been trafficked even out of private schools, which is shocking to people. Like how could this happen to people with intact families? And the profile of what we think fits a trafficking victim isn't always there. I will say, just victims in general, they can be very compassion focused and very kind. And actually, some of the greatest strengths can also be some of the things that are perceived as weaknesses.
0: When you say that the victims aren't always what you think or not what you think at all, that's also true of the traffickers, I'm assuming. That you'd think, oh, a trafficker is supposed to look this way, right? He's not supposed to be wearing a white shirt and tie. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't have a good job, you know, these types of things and I don't think that's the case either, right? So many traffickers look like an upstanding member of society.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's the traffickers and especially the recruiters. So sometimes they are gang related, but not always. And the recruiters often are very charming. I will say most of the time these people are very charming. Very charming. They can do a lot of the love bombing, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with what love bombing is, but you know, where they shower them with gifts and flattery and attention and, you know, fill all those needs. And through the love bombing, you know, the victim just says, this person is so wonderful. You know, they're getting all their dopamine hits, you know, wow, this person's just checking all my boxes. And unfortunately, the trafficker or the recruiter knows this. And so absolutely, they don't fit a certain profile. And I will say with that to the buyers. So this was one of the most interesting things to me is, you know, you have the people selling it, who's, buying these girls. That's really what I feel like the focus should be a lot is who is buying this. And I don't have the source of the statistic in front of me, so I'm not going to state the statistic explicitly, but it's a real statistic that a large percentage, I will say, of the buyers, and so I don't want to say the number because I don't have it in front of me, but a large percentage of buyers of victims are white evangelical males. And I believe that that is because there's a huge link to pornography. And so I would just encourage your listeners, because I know most of them are coming out of some form of abuse, that if there is sexual abuse in your marriage, I would really have your wits about you. This is a scary thing.
0: I would say the majority of our listeners are women of faith, but some of them aren't, right? We have agnostics that listen and atheists that listen and not. We're interfaith and interparadigm, so everyone is welcome here. But I think the thing that shocks the Christian listeners is they thought they were getting a righteous, quote-unquote, righteous man because he attends church and because he can quote the Bible and other things. And wrapping their head around the fact that those are grooming tactics that he is using to maintain power, because there is power in the church if you're a, a righteous man, that that is really alarming right it's it's hard to wrap your head around it's hard to really understand that like yes jesus is there and yes jesus can save people but in this case he's not there to worship or to be a better person he's actually there to maintain the power and that's really hard for women to wrap their heads around i think it's it's hard for all of us
1: let me address that cuz that's a really important point just in general you're absolutely right actually some of the worst stories i've heard over the years and the ones that went on the longest the person was very religious and i don't just mean judeo christian i mean they could have been any any religion and just very religious so i've heard this from a lot of different religions because with faith which i'm a person of faith too you know you get all of the wonderful elements that really provide morality and a purpose in life, and an explanation of, you know, basically why we're here, but as with anything, there's an opportunity for someone to come in and manipulate it, and basically hijack religion in the name of control, and it really is a hijack. It's not the intent, but it is a hijack of religion in the name of control, and so unfortunately, exactly what you're talking about happens. They appear as this wonderful, wise person, a wise religious leader, and in reality, they are using that as an abuse of power to gain control.
0: And obviously the most common example is a so-called righteous man in his own home, maintaining control of his own home. And in fact, some religions explicitly say that he's supposed to do that. He's the head of the household and he's supposed to call all the shots and women are supposed to submit to that. That gets really scary for abuse victims, I think, because th- not only do they have their abuser that's manipulating them, but then they feel like the tenets of their faith are also fighting against them, getting help. That's one of my real goals. God loves you. <laughs> Holy Father loves you. He does not want he- you to be abused. These things that are being used to abuse you are not true. They're not part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not part of any healthy religion. They're simply abuse to use to oppress you.
1: I just want to set you free. I want to set you free. I mean, I can just speak just as a Christian specifically. I will tell you that if we take just Christianity, for example, and we just look at the Bible, Jesus made it so clear. And, you know, if you say, for example, just in the Christian religion, if you say you're a Christian, what does that mean? You're supposed to be a follower of Christ. Well, what did Jesus say over and over is that he really looked out for women and he really looked out for those who were victims and really vulnerable. that those were the people that he really, really helped and even the intent so in the US law and this is just US law, when you go to a court they say to you, what's the language and what's the intent? That's how everything works. okay what's the language of the law, but what's the intent of the law? And the same actually holds true to some extent, especially in the Bible. it's you know not just what's the language but what was the intent you know when Jesus said to the Pharisees, words on divorce you know or whatever was said it's always comes down to what was the intent because even in the new testament they look back at the old testament and king david is praised for breaking laws by feeding his own soldiers out of forbidden bread from the temple so he took forbidden bread from the temple fed his soldiers because they were in a crisis they needed food and he was praised for that for quote breaking the law because what was the intent of the law the intent of the law was to save people. The intent of the law was always to protect people, to save people. It was never for us to just serve the law.
0: Right. And it certainly was not used in order to oppress,
1: especially your wife.
0: Miss Basham and I are going to continue our conversation next week, so stay tuned. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week...